everyone. Welcome to Oh Wow the Podcast, a weekly recap and analysis of every episode of Skins UK starting from the very beginning. I'm your host, Augustine, and today we are getting into it. If you listened to last week's episode, you know that I'm actually recording this episode at the same time as the last one and just splitting it into two parts. But regardless, we are going to be talking about the season finale. Season 2, episode 10, everyone, and it's going to be a lot. It kind of jumps all over the place, so I'm just going to go through everything chronologically in the episode as it makes sense to do, and we're going to try to cover everything that happens because it's such an important episode, and it's the last of this generation, the greatest generation. I don't know if I've seen anyone really argue that either of the other generations are better overall, like, as far as character complexity and relationships and plot and ingenuity. This generation is just so iconic, and I don't know if there's a more iconic cast on this show, although I love the other casts, and I think what they do with Effie in seasons three and four, tying her story in is brilliant, but oh my god, I'm just gonna be a little bit of an emotional case talking about this, and we're also dealing with Chris's death, so we're just gonna go right into it, and hopefully I can pay homage to this amazing season and show and really tie up all the loose ends of what I think and we're just kind of kind of fucking ramble. That's what I'm getting at. The episode starts with the A-levels results getting delivered in the mail. You guys will remember that we were getting ready for exams and there was a countdown to the exams. Cassie just took her last exam, so now they're getting their A-levels and that's going to determine a lot for each of their individual future plans. The American high school system is very different from the UK's secondary education, but it seems like A-levels are pretty comparable to like SAT scores and final grades that would determine what school you get into or if you just start working right away. So I'm just going to say that's pretty much what it is. And so we open with Tony and Sid in the iconic bed with the naked people sheets, Tony's bed. And it seems that Sid got, like, blackout drunk the night before and locked himself out of his house, so he went to Tony's. I'm gonna get emo talking about their friendship in this episode because these are the last few glimpses of Sid turning to Tony when he needs someone. They've literally known each other their whole lives, and Sid still just shows up at Tony's or looks to Tony for advice whenever he doesn't know what to do, which is a lot of the time. And I wonder how much of Sid not really knowing how to function just comes from him always having Tony there. Like, is Sid gonna learn how to function as an adult when he doesn't have someone to just constantly be his safety net? So Sid's in the bed naked, having this spicy dream about Cassie, moaning her name, and when he wakes up, Tony's like, hello, you're naked, first of all, and get over Cassie. I think Tony's probably frustrated from seeing Cassie disappear when Sid's needed emotional support 
this has happened a few times now, and I can see from Tony's perspective how, like, he would be like, okay, you can't invest in this girl who just runs away whenever something happens. And they all are aware that Chris has died, so mentally everyone's preparing for the funeral and all of the proceedings. It's really depressing. So Sid goes home to his mom, and his mom is mentioning his dad's funeral and is kind of checking in with him. She mentions that they're preparing for Chris's funeral. Sid's just kind of out of it. I think he's just so fucked up from this happening and is in shock, probably, because he, like, just lost his father recently, so it's kind of blow after blow for Sid. He receives a postcard in the mail along with his A-levels results, and it's a postcard from New York City that doesn't have a name on it, but everyone can pretty much figure out that it's from Cassie, because where else and who else would be sending it? Chris's dad shows up at Sid's house. His dad's name is Graham, and yeah, Graham Miles tells Sid that none of Chris's friends are invited to the funeral because he thinks that they were a bad influence who dragged Chris down and that they're all junkies who got him addicted to drugs and that, like, contributed to Chris's death. There's a lot of blame, which I think is a normal part of a death happening, is that people want to blame each other, but... Come on, Graham, you haven't exactly been father of the year supportive, and he acknowledges that later on, but still, obviously, Sid is really hurt that he's called a junkie and a bad friend to his friend who he was caring for until his final moments, and Graham basically says that this is all just to preserve the image of Chris as this good kid for the relatives. And throughout this episode, Graham just talks about making a good impression on others and having a picture-perfect life. And uh, it's just such a warped way of thinking. It's so detached from reality. So Sid's venting to Tony. He invites Tony over for support and Sid's just venting. And again, Sid is turning to Tony when he needs someone. He's going to do that over and over up until the last minute in this episode. Sid's like, I never got to say goodbye. Just like with his dad, he never got to say goodbye and Sid is not great with words. We know this. If there's one thing we know about Sid, it's that he's terrible with words and expressing his feelings, even literally when Effie had him do the art project about feelings and all he did was loser. Like, Sid is terrible at this and he is gonna have this regret of not getting to say what he wanted to say to his father and his best friend, one of his best friends. Like, it's awful to just have these people ripped away from him suddenly and feel like it's happening again and again. And having the situation with Cassie repeat again where she's gone when he's emotionally devastated. I mean, this dynamic between the two of them, the fact that the exact same thing is happening, it's just so twisted. So Tony says... All right, fine, we'll steal the casket and we'll have our own funeral so that his friends can commemorate him in the way that he deserves to be commemorated. They're the ones who really knew Chris, and obviously it's completely insane to steal a casket, but it's Tony's idea, and they're so just 
bottomed out emotionally that I think they're just like, sure, why not? Let's go for it. So they steal the coffin. We flash to Anwar's house. There's like a B-plot with Anwar and Maxi. And first of all, I'll say this again later, but Maxi's been robbed of screen time in these last few episodes. Like, where has Maxi been? What is he up to besides just dating that guy, James? That's like all that's been happening with Maxi. But we're at Anwar's house and his mom is so beautiful. I was just admiring how beautiful of a woman the actress is who's playing Anwar's mom. And she's like, you can open your results. They had the friend group promised that they wouldn't open their results, but Anwar opens his results. So we'll see what happens with that. That's just a little side note in this episode. We flash to what's happening with Jal and she's just laying in Chris's bed in the apartment with Michelle next to her. And she's obviously devastated and heartbroken and she asks Michelle to climb into the duvet cover with her like Chris used to do with her and it's just really touching their friendship is really beautiful Michelle and Jal have always been good friends and I've tried to point it out throughout these seasons that their friendship is just very wholesome and Michelle's definitely there for her in this scene. She takes Jal to the zoo, and Jal's like, why are we here? You can't distract me with zoo animals, but it's really beautiful. Michelle's like, no, this is where I met Chris, and so this place has a lot of meaning for her, and they get into this conversation about, well, what would Chris say? He would say, fuck it. He would just say, fuck it. We're gonna just live life to the fullest. And it kind of makes Jal feel a little bit better to realize that Chris would want her to love people and live life and be joyous because that is, like, who he was. We then flash to Graham with the funeral director and they're eating a Battenberg cake and I know this because, well, I'm sure everyone in the UK and probably worldwide knows what a Battenberg cake is, but I had to make it when I was, like training to be a baker, which I never ended up being a baker, but I did culinary school baker training and we had to make Battenberg cakes, so I'll always notice that. And anyway, so they have one of those, but um, Tony and Sid steal the coffin while they're like chit-chatting and we can see that Graham is just a really awkward guy and that the funeral director is kind of the comic relief of the episode because he's just so awkward and completely says the wrong thing all the time. So it's kind of funny to just have like a little bit of comic relief. Sid and Tony are driving away with the coffin and talking about how things in the friend group are coming to an end and all of these things are just ending. It starts to feel like there's no more new beginnings Even though everyone's starting a new chapter of their lives, it's riddled with this feeling of loss. Like, every time something new happens, you have to lose something, and it's this awful dilemma of life that, you know, nothing is permanent, and chapters start and close all the time. Graham and the funeral director eventually realize that the coffin is missing, so they get in their car and start chasing Tony and Sid, and there's this, like, kind of fun action scene of them driving through the streets with the coffin swaying in the wind, um, so that adds, like, a little bit of fun to the episode, too. 
I think it's so telling out of all the skins death scenes that Chris's death still has these moments of like silliness and fun and that's just so pervasive because of who he was. So Tony and Sid bring the coffin to the apartment and Maxie shows up for five seconds. We finally see him. Jal's there and she's pissed. She's like, you have to return the coffin. What are you doing? So they return it. Graham doesn't even really seem to care that the coffin was missing. He just seemed upset that it would ruin the image of the funeral to the rest of the family. Again, he's so detached from reality and is just like, oh, we'll just make another fake body in a coffin because we just need to make it seem like everything's fine. And that is terrible parenting and also just like so delusional but maybe he's just so upset and traumatized that he doesn't know how to process his feelings either. That's kind of the vibe I'm getting. We learned that Anwar got terrible grades, again, getting back to that plot, and apparently just failed. So he can't go to a good school. He has basically no direction for the future. He turns to sketch for comfort, which is not a good idea. She's not comforting. All she says is like, it's fine to just stay here and your friends are just going to leave you behind and, you know, you'll call them, but they'll just take a while to return your calls because they're going to be so busy and you're just going to be here with me, and we can just start our life together here. It's terrifying. Like, I would just start running in any direction if that was the comforting I got. <laughs> then we get back to the serious tone, and since they returned the coffin and did not have a unhinged home open casket funeral... Everybody is just standing on a hill watching over the actual funeral as it's going on. But Jal is talking as she's the one who should be talking about Chris. She was the closest to him out of everybody. And she tells this story that he loved about this guy, Captain Joe Kittinger, who jumped out of an air balloon and just parachuted towards the earth. And how that's such a metaphor for how Chris was so brave every single day that he knew he could die any day like his brother did. And yet he just flung himself out of a hot air balloon towards the earth and just rocketed towards the inevitable fate that he on some level knew would come and just tried to live every single day like it was his last it's really beautiful, and then they set off fireworks, and we transition into this campfire where everybody's sitting around and just drinking and smoking, and they are opening their A-levels results. It's so strange how the funeral just sort of blends into the final episode for everybody, and they're like, we gotta just part ways, and I know that I had a similar experience. I am very hesitant to really talk about it, but having a friend pass away during the time that everyone's finishing high school. I didn't graduate high school, but 
I did like leave for college after getting my GED and it's heavy when you're like, not only are we all going our separate ways, but the friend group's actually never going to be the same and this is going to shatter everything. It's a really difficult thing to be excited for your future while also having to mourn your past in the present. You know what I mean? I don't know if that makes sense, but that's the best way I can describe it. Just one little note, a detail about the campfire is that Sid's using the postcard from New York to, like, make filters for his joints, and I really just appreciated how accurate that is for all smokers. So Anwar sneaks away from the fire because they're all opening their grades and he knows that he flunked and he goes back to Sketch, who was not comforting the first time and is less comforting this time. And she's like, we can go to the movies together and we can eat together. Let's just get our life together started now, which is the most haunting, chilling shit I've ever heard. Absolutely not, Sketch. Like, she could be part of this friend group if she actually grew as a person, but she's the one character that has always had bad motives, doesn't do things with a genuine love for others, like it's always self-serving, manipulative shit, so nobody trusts her, and she's horrifying! After the fire, Chris's dad approaches Jal and has a bit of a heart-to-heart with her about how he wasn't a good dad to Chris and he just feels like he wasn't fit for parenting. And Jal is literally the most amazing person on the planet and is a freaking saint and says to him, you know, Chris would have appreciated that you fought for him even though telling all of his friends not to come to the funeral was the wrong thing to do. He would appreciate that you fought for him for what you thought was right and that you cared. And that is so incredibly wise beyond any range of thought I would ever have. I would just be like, fuck you, dude. (laughs) But (laughs) Jal is an angel and yeah, that conversation is intense. Eventually, everyone figures out that Anwar ran away because of his grades, and there's a scene where Maxie is about to leave with James on the coach to London, where he's going to start his dancing career and start his future, and he says, Anwar, why don't you just come with us? What's there to lose? Just come have a laugh. I call this approach to life the failing upward approach. And I personally feel that this is how my life works, too, is, like, with Anwar, one thing doesn't work out, and then he just falls into a better situation. Like, he fails all of his exams and ends up going to London, and then once he's there, I'm sure he's gonna find a job and friends and a relationship that isn't with Sketch. And I feel like things always work that way in my life, too, where something doesn't work out, but then it leads to something better. So I have this mug that says, always settle for more, because I feel like there are just some people that have to have doors closed or feel like, fuck it, I've got nothing to lose at this point, and it ends up leading to great things. So as I've gotten older, I've really seen the value in that and that Doing everything by the book doesn't really guarantee you anything, and a lot of life is just luck. And we see that in New York, Adam is 
still gone, it appears, and Cassie's working in a cafe now. Again, kind of leads me to think that he was part of her or something like that because now she's doing what he was doing. Or it could just be really basic in that waitressing is a common job in New York, but, you know, we'll see in season seven that she's also uh, working in a cafe there. We find out that Tony bought Sid a ticket to New York to go find Cassie, which is a big task to take on since there's, like, millions and millions of people in New York City. But again, suspending disbelief about the New York plot. Uh, And so there's one last instance of Sid asking Tony what to do. And it just symbolizes so much about their friendship that Sid's about to leave and go find his woman and go on his own adventure. But he has to just come back and ask Tony, what do I do one last time? And Tony says, okay, take the hat off. Go find Cassie. And I love you the best. I always loved you the best. And it's where we see Tony really opening up emotionally, one of the rare moments where that happens. And it's so touching. I mean, their friendship is fucked up and has so many problems, but they've literally known each other their entire lives. So that's just kind of how that works. (laughs) They really have this touching moment showing their love for each other before they're separated for the first time in their lives. Then Tony's with Michelle in the car and they're talking about their relationship and she's kind of joking around with him and you can tell it's the end of their relationship. I mean, who knows about the future, but, you know, they kind of both can tell that they're going to separate colleges, they're going to be 600 miles apart, they're not going to be able to be dating and they're just going to move on with their lives. And it's just so heartbreaking, even though a lot of us were saying they shouldn't even get back together, but it's still sad. She says we were good, weren't we? And he says we were better than that. And just gets me in the feels. And then Sid's just like in New York looking for Cassie. It sounds like he's Mike Bailey. The actor is singing the song at the end. If you guys catch that, let me know. It didn't say in the credits what the song was, but it sounded like the cast was singing the last song that they play while Sid is showing pictures of Cassie to people in New York looking for her. And there's a flash where he's at the he's outside the cafe that she works at, but she turns around and they miss each other and we're like, oh my god, are they gonna find each other? We find out in season seven. We just sort of are left open-ended with Sid and Cassie. And then the last scene of season two is Effie opening her eyes in Tony's bed, smirking at the camera because we all know seasons three and four center around Effie. So we're going to start off with her, but uh, what can I say? I just really hope that I did some amount of justice to covering (laughs) this show I care so deeply about this silly British show from 2007, and I still cry talking about it because I just love these characters, and they were such a part of my development as a human, even though that's probably really not healthy, 
but I just related to them. I felt like they were my friends. I feel like they're my friends still, you know, like I just love this show so much and I love the community and I'm so grateful to have found the Reddit community and just the fan base um, that I had never found before until this winter when I was in a really low point and I said, fuck it, I'm just going to start a Skins podcast. And it's been such a light in my life and has really been something for me to pour my life, my thoughts, my emotions, my everyday life into this and share it with you guys. So I really appreciate that. I'm very grateful for all of you. And uh, we will be back in Chicago for the start of season three. So that'll be great to have my usual setup. Actually improved setup because I'll be in my new apartment but it'll be really nice and we'll be back to the regular timing and everything so that'll be nice too so thank you so much for listening guys I am like sad to sign off today because I don't want this season to be over I just need to like sit with it and go smoke a joint and chill out because I'm in my feels for this one So, yeah, I'll see you guys next week for season three. We're getting into the second cast. Oh, my freaking God. All right. Thank you for listening. As always, follow the Instagram at ohwowthepodcast. I always post on the Reddit and the YouTubes so you can find the conversation going there. And I hope you all have a great week. And, yeah, thanks. Bye.